were called to make the world brighter, to run on the front lines, to cast vision where it had not yet landed. You are not gifted to be a random burst of energy, but a consistent force that enables the world to hear beauty, see potential, and write stories in a way that points the world to Jesus. Provoke and inspire. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. We are here to provoke and inspire, not just provoke or not just inspire. It would be, in fact, if it was just the Inspire podcast. Why pro- can't I just do the intro? Why do you be- always have to come in with a little like comment? You or told quip? me that you wanted me to bring a little bit of uh, zest. You're zest to the whole thing, so I'm doing it. Well, okay. Well, there you have it. Provoke and Inspire podcast. Road Report Edition. We are once again in some sort of housing establishment in Albania in the town of Korcha. Kort. Well, I want to know is why is Chad and, and uh, Luke Greenwood not here? Well, Chad is currently developing his apple cart business. No, I thought he was in prison in Italy. No, he broke out. He got out? Yeah, he used a toothbrush shank. I heard that he actually uh, Luke was able to get him out in his tiny little suit. Right. It was that, and he had so many boxes of Thousand Risks in his prison cell. Yeah. He was able to stack them up yeah. and then sliver through the grates, the, the window grates at the and, top of and his and cell. Escape, and then he jumped on top. of Luke, I heard that Luke actually tur- turned uh, or took off his tiny little suit, made like, the, like a very tiny little trampoline <laughs> that uh, Chad <laughs> jumped on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, uh, it has but it was sort of Italy. a bouncy quality it's, it's to it. It's Italy, and it's during the summer, so they're used to that sort of thing. Yeah, the au natural vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So anyway, that's why Chad and or Luke are not with us, is not with us. What's the proper way to say that? But they are hitch- I don't know. Are they trying to hitchhike their way back now, as far yeah, as yeah, I know? Yeah, cur- currently, uh, they're currently, they're shotgunning on a mule right now. Yeah. Whatever yeah. that means. <laughs> uh, anyway, Provoke and Inspire Road Report Edition. David, I, David and I are on the road. Uh, I mean, we're not on the road. We're, we're in a, in not a, physically, no. We're not on the pavement as we speak. We're on some sort of weird uh, Turkish rug of some kind. But anyway, we are on the road with No Longer Music in yes, Albania. We are. We're about halfway through our tour here. And uh, we um, obviously normally we do our podcasts kind of spread out all over the world. We're doing various things throughout the year. The summer tends to be our most intense touring season, uh, as is the case with most bands. This podcast did start out uh, focused more exclusively on how to challenge Christian artists to use their gifts to preach the gospel outside of the church. Since then, it has morphed into something a little bit more general, uh, and our tagline now is calling followers of Jesus to radical faith in secular culture. And so we uh, we try to do that from our own experience, from the things that we're learning. We try to challenge uh, those of us that, that follow Jesus to be radical uh, in a culture uh, that is becoming increasingly lost, increasingly hostile to the things of Jesus. Uh, and so these road reports um, are interesting for my opinion, because we're really out in the battle. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of learning things. We're, we're experiencing things. And so we're able to not only share with you what God is doing on the road, but also extrapolate from that some principles, some things that, that we are learning, because God tends to really show you interesting things when you're out in the battle. Uh, so we're going to get to that. Um, but before we do, we have a... David's Random Story. So... Anyway, I was speaking at a church in the United States in Minneapolis, and uh, after I was done speaking, a friend of mine said, 
hey, I want you. I want to go visit a friend, a friend of mine who's uh, lives down the street. And at the same time, you guys were doing a, a video. You were doing. Uh, you were shooting. What's not getting better? Yeah, yeah. Right? They're not getting like, any better video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and uh, so it's kind of a. A rough part of Minneapolis, and uh, so I went with my friend there, and and we get there. It's like middle of the afternoon, and all the walls are cardboarded, you know, over. You know, the windows mean? or the walls? The windows. Sorry, the windows. Okay. So like so we have typical drywall, but then we have yeah. Okay, so you have like you have covered. a you have a building, and all the walls are like cardboarded over the windows. The what did I say? The walls. No, you said the the windows. So <laughs> so we knock on the door, and there's no one, and no one's there. And so my Ooh, friend, spooky. Yeah, so my friend goes, "Let's go around to the alley." So we so we walked around. Ooh. We didn't cr- we didn't crep to the alley. Crep. We walked. Was that past tense creep? So we walked. Man, to the, you were like the worst. So we walked is, to is the English alley. English your second language. So I I knock on the door, and all of a sudden his uh, his uncle, uh, what was his let's name? call him Remus. For Remus short. comes to the door, and he's like, really, he's looked pretty rough, and and he's like, hey man. So the friend, my friend's name was Scott. He's going, wow. How you doing? Come on in. So I come. So Wait, Scott, Scott let himself in, or was this Uncle no, Remus? No, Uncle Remus let us in. Okay. Cousin Remus, actually. Oh, Cousin so Remus. So Cousin Remus lets us in, and we go in, and it's like, I mean, people are, this is the middle of the afternoon. People are sleeping everywhere, like on the floors. There's trash. It's like this really heavy-duty meth Maybe house. they had like a volleyball tournament. And I don't before. think so, man. It was really heavy. And uh, so we're talking to Uncle Remus or Cousin Remus, and uh, it's the worst story. And he's ever. like really having a rough time, and and uh, all of a sudden he goes, "Yeah, Uncle Bob's coming," and Scott goes, "Hmm, this will be interesting," because it turned out that Uncle Bob was like this really heavy duty criminal, and Scott, my friend, he's a lawyer, and he turned him into the FBI. Gosh. <laughs> and so so Uncle Bob was not super pleased with Scott, yeah. apparently. Yeah. So, so anyway, so then Uncle Bob comes in and uh you know, Scott's like super nervous the whole time. And I'm like, which isn't his normal way, and I'm like, no. I don't know why. And so I'm thinking, well, I better I need to pray for uh for cousin Remus. I didn't want to because I wanted just to get out of there, yeah, but yeah. I felt like so I'm praying for him and everything. And Scott's like, we have to go. We have to go. And I'm like, what? You know? And, and so we start to go out. And I said to, I said to Scott, I said, that was weird, man. I, felt, I had this strong idea that Uncle Bob wanted to shoot us. And I'm going, and he goes, you didn't see the gun? No, I didn't. In fact, when Uncle Bob came in, he said, you effed with me one time. You're not going to do it again. And apparently pulled out his gun. And, and you, you were I, oblivious to this? I was completely oblivious. And because I was so oblivious, Uncle Bob thought, man, that guy's heavy. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> oh, even care that I have a gun. You know? And he's like trying to intimidate me with it, but I couldn't see it. It's so weird. It was like, it was like the gun was invisible. And so I prayed with Cousin Remus, and then we left. And, and I, think, I think that God made the gun invisible so I wouldn't freak out. That's it? Well, what do you mean that's it? Well, yeah, no, that that is quite... What, do you, what do you mean that's it? You What's know, it's that? funny. The longer we do these, you're, I, I find that your your stories tend to fall into one of three categories. Either animal cruelty, your gender is being confused, or you're doing really stupid things and putting yourself in harm's way. How, how is that stupid? 
Why would I you was go going to a crack there to, house to talk in the middle to, of the day? I didn't know it was a crack house. Well, that's my point. Most people would ask questions. I was going to. I was just, you know, I thought my friend knew what he was doing. So, wow. Yeah, but anyway, so I didn't get shot, and Uncle Bob is still out there. What do you think? So, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? So Cousin if you're, Remus if you doing? happen to, if anyone, you know, listening to this, and you go to Minneapolis, do you know, and you see Uncle Bob, just you know, maybe cross the street, go on the other side of the street. Because yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a little upset right Watch now. Watch out for that house with the uh, cardboarded walls. Yeah, exactly. Oh, anyway, there you have it. Another uh, strange, strange reminder that you shouldn't be alive. But here you are, alive and kicking. <laughs> well, that was that was the worst <laughs> laugh ever. I was like one of those laughs that I kind of put into transitions whenever I have to make a weird edit. Uh, anyway, that's a little secret of the podcast. But moving right along, that is the random story. Uh, now what I want to talk about, like I said, this is a road report podcast. This is a bit of a, a departure from our typical structure. Um, and it's an opportunity, like I said in the beginning, for us to uh, share what God is doing here in Albania, which is incredible things, uh, and then to talk a little bit about what God is showing us through that and hopefully encourage uh, those of you listening to be more radical in your faith, in secular culture, whatever context you're in. And so uh, the story I want to talk about um, happened a few shows ago. Uh, we're in the town of Barat, Albania. We've been there many times. It's this beautiful city that's kind of right in the middle of these mountains. Uh, and and normally, Albania is very hot. I mean, it's like rain is not a factor. I mean, we deal with rain like, you know, when you're doing outdoor shows all over Europe, you're going to deal with rain. Um, but normally not in Albania. But when we woke up, uh, the weather did not look good. The forecast was was for heavy rain all day. Um, which was unusual for us, and so we were we were praying. What do we do? You know, do we do we persevere? Do we play the show? I mean, of course, beyond risking our equipment, this is not a culture or a climate where people hang out in the rain. You know, it's not like London or Seattle or Amsterdam, where if you never went outside when it would rain, you would just basically live indoors. It's the kind of culture that if it rains, people are out. They're right, they're like right. you know they head head home. So we're we're praying. What do we do? You know, because it's not only a lot of work, but we we actually you know want to play for for somebody. Yeah. Um. So we're praying, and we even like called a local theater, and we asked, you know, can we can we get in there? And we were too late to get to them, and so that wasn't a possibility. Um. And it's funny because as we were praying, there was kind of this this two hour window that kind of opened up on the report the the weather report. Uh, where the weather was going to be better, and I it's it's so funny because you know we we're praying in faith, and I want to say that you know I want to tell everyone that I had all this faith that the weather was going to be good. But part of me was really wondering, you know, if this, if this is really going to happen. I was quite skeptical. Um, but then we get this two-hour window, and I literally have the thought that goes in my head, like, man, we're going to get all set up, and then, this, <laughs> then the rain's going right, to come. Right. And sure enough, we go. Um, we have about two hours. We get all of our equipment set up. And, I mean, we have a massive, big setup. I mean, huge liner APA, big, you know, it's a huge, huge deal. It's not something you can no. whip up and get off in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, so we get all set up, and then we're dealing with all sorts of power issues, right? So we we blow up some of our equipment, power, which is also extremely frustrating yeah, and obviously. expensive, obviously. And so we're trying to hurry up and start, right? Because we have this short window where we see the rain coming on the forecast, and you can see these ominous black clouds creeping in from over the mountains. And so we're trying to get it in, but the the power wasn't good, so that was delaying. Sent us. out a prayer thing. All yeah, over we were the praying world. like crazy and asking all of our people to pray, and and um, then literally when we're finally ready to go, it slowly starts raining, 
then it gets heavier, and then before long, it's just torrential downpour. And to make it worse, the wind was so that it was blowing right into our stage. Yeah, because we have a roof over our, our stage that we drive in, but in this case... I mean, it was just ridiculous. Like, yeah. it was like monsoon. Yeah. As I already mentioned, like, it's a culture where people don't hang out. Not that anyone would have anywhere. Right. So no, there's nobody around. We've spent all of this energy setting everything up. And and for the first time in 12 years that I've been touring, and I don't know how many years you've, like, how many times this has yeah. happened in the times you've toured. I would say maybe five, five maybe? times in 20 years. Yeah. Maybe? So for me, it was, this was only the second time in 12 years that we've had to cancel. One of our dancers, he said he's been on tour for eight years and he's never, eight years. We, we never have canceled because of rain. Yeah, so we've had eight an years. eight year streak going without having to cancel a show. Um, and so, of course, we were super, super dejected, bummed out, come all this way, poured all this energy into it. And then, of course, more than that, we want to be able to tell these amazing Albanian people the truth. You know, so many yeah. of them are, they live without hope, they live under the bondage of these lies, and we want to tell them the truth. Um, and so, David, as kind of a way to talk about this, you know, you you were bringing some things up at our prayer time the next morning about just the reality of what it means to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so could you talk a little bit about how how do we deal with how do we process something like that that happened to us at that show? Yeah, because, um, you know, we can give like all kinds of examples about when we were playing in like uh, city squares in different parts of the world and there'd be like storms going on all around us. And there'd be a big circle of blue sky above us. I mean, many, many examples of that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember lots. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so the first thing I'm thinking, oh man, Lord, is it because I didn't pray enough? Is it because of sin in my life? Is it because I'm, you know, I'm, you know what I mean? I, you know, I look at myself and, um, and, and it was, to be honest, it was super discouraging for me, but then I, I don't know how this all fits in, but God reminded me of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians about how he worked harder than anyone else, how he was flogged, how he was exposed to death again and again, how five times he received the uh, 40 lashes minus one, and I guess 40 lashes usually would die. Yeah, right? and did, wasn't that what the minus one was about? Yeah, and he, he did it. So within five, an inch of his death, basically. Yeah, five times, three times he was beaten with rods. I mean, come on. He spent a day and Chad's only been beaten with rods once. I know, and it was me who beat him. Uh he was a day and night in the open sea. So just like like floating around uh, on a board in the open sea, constantly in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the open country. On and on and on he goes. And God was saying, So your show got rained out. I mean, are you kidding me? And I, and I think that um, today we can have this idea that following Jesus is always about things going easy. You know, when Jesus clearly said in John 16, 33, in this, he said, he, he said, if you are my follower, you will have trouble. But be courageous. I have overcome the world. And so I think there needs to be an idea in my mind that there are going to be difficulties. And it doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't even right. In fact, it could be that it was. And just, I mean, Paul, I mean, he saw amazing miracles, you know, but God didn't deliver him from all everything. You know, he had to go through some hard things. And I think that's part of um, what God wants to put inside of me is that my relationship with him will be so strong that I'm able to go through those hard things 
to if that's what Jesus wants. Yeah, and it's, it's funny how just just in our Christian culture of discerning God's will, we can often interpret difficulty as a sign that we've missed it. Right. Which is bizarre because if you look scripturally, I mean, if hard times was a indication that people were off, I know. I mean, then then you would have to say that that all the early disciples and Paul and even Jesus himself was off, right? Because exactly. their lives were difficult. I'm always reminded of the story in Acts 16 where Paul is very um, vividly and directly being guided by the Holy Spirit. Don't go yeah. here. Don't go here. This door closed. This door closed. Right. And then it says the door that finally was open for him, he goes. Yep. And he gets beaten and thrown in jail. Right. And and, and and it's funny because that's so antithetical to our culture because our yeah. culture would say, you know, secular or otherwise, that, that something like that, that must have been failure. Right. Right. That if, if because, I mean, by human standards, the end result was him being beaten and thrown in jail. And, and also, isn't it that you'd be taught, well, or I would think I didn't pray enough or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I want to look at, I want to look at that part of it a little bit later in terms of, you know, how do we look at prayer and how God answers that without getting into the theological weeds too much? But even even as it relates to this idea of difficulty, I remember um, we were touring in New Zealand several years back, and we were given the opportunity to play at the, this major New Year's Eve party. Oh, yeah. And, and New right. Zealand is an extremely secular country. It's very, very difficult. And it's funny because our promoter, um, when we were first told that we were given this opportunity, I mean, this is like... Imagine like Can- Cancun during spring break. I mean, just, it's like party central. It's just it's Sodom and Gomorrah. It's craziness. And they have like these cages that they the, on the yeah. uh, by the beach. Where well, they, they throw- have so many arrests yeah. that they really don't have time to, to right. actually take these you know crazy kids into the into the actual jail. So they have to make like these like these wire fenced like temporary prisons where they can just kind of chuck them in in there and grab more people. Yeah. So it's this chaotic scene. And I remember when our promoter was first telling us that we had been given this opportunity, we were a little bit like, really? Yeah. 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 It's kind of like when we opened for the Ramadan festival in Turkey or right, right, right. They're going to let us, do they know who we we, are? You know, he did play there like years and years ago. Right. But, but anyway, you know, you, And yeah, that, it, but it anyway. was it was very surprising, and we yeah. we didn't expect it. We we're very transparent with them. We sent yeah. them all of our information, who we are. You can Google us. It takes two seconds to figure out what we're about. Um, so we we play, uh, you know, and it's a pretty tense atmosphere right from the beginning. Um, but you know, it's funny because there's really two sides to this story. You, there's the on stage side, which is that we're performing, and you know, we very vividly depict the the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, the, the yeah. reality of evil and sin in the world. It's redemptive, but it's right. real. Um, and we're performing it, and, and you more or less get the sense that things are a little weird in the crowd, right, but you right. don't really know what's going on. Right. Um, and then we're told, you know, like, you got to end it. Like, you remember the show right, was over, right. and they were like, you need, to, you need to hurry up and end your show. So you, very, you preached in a very rushed right. sort of manner. Right. Um, and then, then we find out that our crew, our sound guy, our light guy, our crew – had basically been just berated for like 30 minutes, like threatened people were starting to gather all around them, like yelling at them, getting in their faces. You know, we got really tough sound guys. I mean, really, we know we had this Australian light guy who's tough and our sound guys tough. And they, and they told us afterwards, they've never felt more threatened, more scared. And these are guys that have been in Muslim context. These are guys that have been in riots. These are guys that have been in some serious, serious places and they said they never felt more attacked, more threatened than in this environment. And, and what had happened is that the promoters 
you know, started to realize that we were there to tell them, tell these people about Jesus. Yeah. And they got really, really, really mad. Yeah. To the point where they were, you know, an inch away from beating up our guys. Yeah. And, you know, I remember we kind of rushed off and it was weird and, and, and we were, you know, we kind of gathered in a park kind of by the stage and we were all feeling very dejected and beat yeah, up. And yeah. it was the same thing where you were, you know, you kind of reminded us, you said, guys, this is hard, but why, why should everything be easy? We're in a battle. Yeah. You know, when they rejected Jesus, I remember right, you saying right. very specifically, if they yeah. rejected Jesus, why would we expect never to get rejected ourselves? Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of a, it's a weird thing that's, that's kind of embedded into our culture. You know, you often talk about the pleasure gospel, mm-hmm. you know, how does that, what do you, from your perspective, how does this pleasure gospel play into um, our resistance or unwillingness or or kind of surprise at, at difficulty when we're out in the battle? Well, I think it's because the way Jesus is presented today in a lot of places. You know, come to Jesus, he'll He'll make you happy, everything will go well. Uh, it, you know, the, if you come close to Jesus, you'll be prosperous in everything, and you'll have, uh, you know, he's someone you can come to and ask, tell him what you want, and he'll give it to you. Uh, there's no cross in it. You know, Jesus said, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. Now, we don't really get that today because the cross has become a symbol to us. But back then, that was a really shocking thing, you know, Jesus was saying, because because the cross was an instrument of of, of uh, torture and death, and it was, like, horrific. And, and so for Jesus to say, if you want to follow me, you need to take this up, it, it was – it showed the, the – um, that this is no joke. You know, to be a follower of Jesus is no joke. Yes, it's a, an abundant life. Yes, it's, a, it's an extraordinary life. But to follow Jesus is serious. You know, it really is countercultural. I mean, people today think they're countercultural because they – a lot of people in the church culture think they're countercultural because they, they live a compromised lifestyle. They're not countercultural. They're actually – Right with, in line with culture. with the culture, but to follow Jesus is about is about going up a stream of you know it's like you're in a river and the and the water's t- pulling you down and walking into the culture. Of course, you're going to have difficulty. Jesus said we would, but he also said, "Don't be afraid." You know, and it's like no matter if he stops the riot or he allows it, if there is a riot, he promises to be there with us. But I do think we need to know that it's going to be a fight sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, even, well, it's many things. Many things come to my mind. I mean, one is, again, resisting the spirit of our age yeah. that says that if it's not easy, it's not right. Right. You know, this kind of comfortable Christian lifestyle where we're really more about blending in, being popular, being palatable than we are about willing to, to take the, the narrow road that's going to come with some difficulty. I mean, it's a narrow yeah. road. I mean, that's why it's called that. Right. So there's certainly that element where I think the 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 expectation needs to be there that that to follow Jesus in a real way is going to mean you're going to encounter some difficulties and sometimes you're going to fail right yeah and i and i think you know i i don't know why but it reminds me of when we did that show in turkey and we were playing at that five star hotel yeah it was before my time which, oh you weren't in that one no it's just a while now okay yes. well anyway so we we're playing in this really it was kind of crazy that we were this there. This European five-star yeah, hotel yeah, in and Turkey, yeah. basically. And so in, and during that time, we used a lot of stage blood in the crucifixion. <laughs> and so I'm representing like Jesus. theatrical stage blood. Theatrical stage yeah. blood, yeah. And so um, so we had this knife that it looks like my throat is slit, and I'm covered in the stage blood. So right when that happened, and I'm, I'm on the stage, and you know, then there's the, the 
the resurrection scene. But before that can happen, the hotel or the owner of the of the hotel said stop, and and basically turned off the PA. So here I am, laying oh, on the man. ground, covered in this stage blood, <laughs> and it's like and it's ritzy five star oh, hotel. And I just as everyone's like. Oh, and I felt so lame. And so I kind of get up and people are like, what is this? You know, and so I thought, oh, I need to take a shower. So I got up and I went into the the pool shower thing, you know, and I go in there to take a shower. And so I'm taking a shower, feeling super discouraged. And then someone goes and turns the lights off in there. They didn't know I was in there, so I'm in the pitch black, <laughs> fumbling around. Which you sometimes do to people, so yeah, it might purpose, have been poetic but, justice. Yeah, anyway. but anyway, so I was, and then the devil's just lying to me. You are so lame. You're such a loser. What are you doing? This was so stupid. And it was super, super, you know, the devil trying to discourage me, you know. And, but, but I need to understand that, yes, sometimes this is going to happen, but it doesn't mean I'm not doing the right thing. Right. You know, and and not to let that be, you know, and the point is, it's not about being the big martyr for Jesus. No. You know, like in in this is the first show we've had to cancel because of weather in eight in years. Eight years. Yeah. So it's not it's, it's we see we've seen way more victory than way than more. And so did Paul. Way. So did Paul. I mean, yeah, he had some. I mean, we have no idea what what hardship is compared to no. Paul. But look at what Paul did. Look right. at the thing. And when he talked about the hardships he went through, he said they're not even worth talking about. Compared they're nothing to the, compared yeah. to them. And so, yes, but we need to know there are going to be difficulties. And it's like, we have to be willing to fight. People are into, you know, fighting for Jesus if it's just like singing songs about it, you know. But right. we need people who actually are going to be willing to go out and, and really do battle for God. I mean, in... in, in that's how we're going to change the world. It's not going to happen by just going to more conferences. No, no. So there's there's that aspect of it, and, and two more things that come to mind in light of that. So so again, in summary, it's going to be t- it's going to be difficult. I mean, as our podcast tagline suggests, if you want to be a radical follower of Jesus, you know, you want to have a radical faith in secular culture, be prepared for a battle. Right? It's not going to be easy. Sometimes you're going to fail. And even in in a, in a way in being allowed to fail in God's sovereignty, yeah, I think there yeah. also is a reminder that it's about Him. And the humility. It's like again another show where it rained right when we were. This was years ago because there's not you know most of the time yeah. God holds the weather back. Right during the important part of the show, and I'm like, God, why do we? Why don't you hold back the rain? And I felt like you saying to me, Who are you doing this for? Right. You know. And I think that that God sometimes allows me to fail, like you said, Ben. For humility, and it's like a, a this radical evangelist I know. He said, "God never asked me to succeed; He asked me to obey." Yeah, yeah. You know, he said, "God never said go." And Isaiah, when he received the call of God, "Here am I, send me." He said, "I'm going to send you to people that won't listen." You know yeah. what I mean? He goes, yeah. "Here am I, send me," and God goes, "Good." Well, I'm going to send you to people that aren't going to even listen right. to you. You know, and so we have also it's part of our cultural thing that success means you know, a certain thing where really God is not calling me even to succeed. No. He's calling me to obey. Right. And when I kind of get that, it, it also takes the pressure off too. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and that, that is what I was going to say is that, that ultimately moments like this remind us they, they, I don't like to say that I, I want to become dependent because I am dependent. It's more, more right, about right. my awareness than about the reality of it. Yeah. God takes his hand off me. I'm dead. That, 
the air in my lungs is a gift from God. And so yeah. this idea that I need to become dependent is ridiculous. It's, it's like, a, you're, exactly. It's I am illusion. dependent. It's yeah. about whether I allow myself to be awakened from the delusion that I'm in, that I'm doing this in my own strength. Right. And so God will remind us that, you know, in moments like that, then I let you fail, at least from your perspective, because it's about me. Right. And, and you don't always know what, what, what is happening. And, and what's cool is we actually have an opportunity to go back to that city um, in, in a couple of weeks. Right. And we were talking about it afterwards. Who knows? You know, maybe the weather is decent. Maybe 100 people show up because it's not super warm out. And it's fine. You know, and from our perspective, we think, great, what a victory. But in truth... God has a much, much better plan. And we go back on June 11th, and maybe thousands of people will be there. You yeah. Know, maybe. But then I go, oh, God, if you could have just told us, you know. <laughs> right. You know, but I think, again, part of it is humility, and part of it is understanding we're in a battle. Yeah. You know, not not everything is going to be easy when you follow Jesus, which is kind of crazy because he never said that. Right. And that, again, that I would say is the overarching theme here, which is we need to stop looking to the world for our our model for right. things. And that's really what a lot of this comes from, is that yeah. why, you know, it makes perfect sense from a secular humanistic perspective that if something's really hard, you should probably avoid doing it. Right, Why exactly. would you intentionally put yourself in a sa- self-sacrificial place or a place of dependence or a place where you could fail? You know, if it's all just about material and, and pleasure and self-seeking, I, I wouldn't put myself in these positions. And so I think we've imbibed this mentality from secular culture into the church and and we we've created theological justifications for avoiding things that are difficult yeah and also i think when you when you do that you take away the opportunity to actually make a difference because uh all you have to do is go is is uh you need to go through a hard time and you quit you know how many people do you know ben that we really have called but the first difficulty they go through they go oh this can't be right and they bail right so there's that aspect right there's the aspect of rejecting the ease of our culture that says things should be easy. Um, and, and then also, I think, not looking to the world as its measure for success, that, that sometimes God lets things happen. We don't always fully have an understanding. And we could, we could just always think, how can we do this perfectly? You know, and how can right, we avoid right. situations like this and make it all a human thing? Like, well, right. we came to Albania in May, you know, and maybe the weather's not as good. And, right. and, and there's, there's such a tension there because I yep. think... It's not always like that with God. God lets us fail sometimes, I think, to remind us, as we've already said, that he is in control and that he wants us to rem- wants to remind us that we, we're not to be these mechanical professional Christians, that we, we control everything. We, if we can just manufacture the perfect environment, then we'll avoid the difficulties. Then, then everything will go perfectly, and then we'll have success as the world sees it. When, as you say... That would make sense if we just ignored everything that we see in, in Scripture. Right. That but, would make sense if we reject the models that are that are clearly laid out for us. Yeah, and I mean, and, you know, and Jesus said, he said, beware when everyone thinks you're great. You yeah. know, that's what they said about the false prophets. And so if I'm, if everybody loves me and if everything is going well, I'm probably not telling people the truth. Right. You know, I'm probably not speaking about Jesus. Right. Because Jesus is confrontational. You know, again, it's not because of my... I've done a lot of stupid things to be confrontational. I'm not talking about that. No. I'm not talking about not a being religious it, yeah. or just, you know... Not uh, loving people. Not or... loving people, any of that. But I'm talking about presenting the in with a broken heart the truth and in a relevant way. It's confrontational. It goes against the spirit of the world. And we do not live in heaven... You know, there's also this thing, oh, bringing heaven, yes, we're going to create heaven here on earth, 
That's not what Bible teaches. This world is not is is broken and it's going to pass away. And we have a limited amount of time. We need to take advantage of it. We need to tell people how God loves them. Tell them there's a way uh, way out. You know. But I don't think we're going to create heaven on earth while we're here. Yeah. No. I mean that's maybe a little tangential, but yes, I agree with you well, as well. No, but I hear that kind no, of... No, but I, you know what I'm talking motivated about. Motivated in the right sense. I think it just simply means we need to be Jesus to people yeah. here and alleviate suffering and all that. And that, of course, that's totally valid. And I'm sorry if I got a little tangential there, but you know, I've had like 72 cups of coffee today. Yes, you're jittery indeed. You're and so my, my mind right now is on, you know, and Nigel keeps texting me all the time. Incessantly. And he's like, it's very so inflammatory, so I'm derogatory. Not, I'm not, I won't even tell you what Captain Sweeney said, but no. I just can't deal with it sometimes. How many different iterations of that word can you possibly come up with? Exactly. Uh, but maybe in summation, I think the thing I also want to mention is that we are created for battle. Exactly. You know, and when I look on the years that I've done this, 12 years of touring, I don't remember the times... Honestly, when we stayed in a, you know, when we were blessed to stay in a nice hotel and when the weather was perfect and everything went great, of course, I celebrate the victories and that's not what it's about. And it's nice to get a good night's sleep. Of course. And I, I don't welcome difficulty, but at the same time, we are created for the struggle. We are created for the battle. And, and it's not, you know, I don't feel like, like you said, I don't feel like a martyr in these moments. Honestly, it's, it's, it's a privilege yeah. to be able to struggle for something that matters. Exactly. And, and so it's funny how the enemy really turns everything upside down in the sense that we're not meant to live in this sort of comfort, you know, battleless reality. We're meant for the, the hard times. And those are the times you remember. Those are the times you, you look fondly upon when, when God redeemed a difficult situation or where it helped you overcome, you know, a trial. Those are the things that really produce joy as, you know, as it even says in scripture and James, let joy have its perfect work because it's refining you. It's building you up. It's, it's producing character in yeah, you. That's right. And meaningful yeah. things always cost something. Right. So it's not, it's funny because even as we talk about this, it's not like, Come on, suck it up. And, no. You know, you need to do hard things, and your life is so easy. I actually think it's an appeal to it's live the, the kind of life you were created for, yep. which is a passion-filled, meaningful life. Your life, like you always said, is not about sitting at the pool and, and with the drink with the straw in it, as you always say. Umbrella. Umbrella straw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I've, yeah. I've, I've never had, nor yeah. do I think I ever want. No, so, me either. Anyway, this is a road report. Uh, hopefully, it's challenging. Hopefully, it's encouraging. Yes. Oh, yes. And I and that's why when I heard that Chad was in prison in Italy, I wasn't sorry about it. I thought that's good for him. Right. And also, from what I hear, currently the the prison inmates are attempting to break a Guinness world record of largest bonfire by burning all of the remaining books that he left in his cell. But what's good about it is it's they've had unusually cold weather. Yeah. So, so slow burning, and it's just so dense and confusing. It's that true. it's just burning so slowly. And again, uh, you know, Luke's tiny little suit came in handy because they could use that to make the tiny little trampine. Uh, trampine, yes. Trampine. What do you call it? Trampoline. Yeah, the little trampoline. It's a difficult That word. Chad could, like, spear down to what? when he jumped out of the little. Yeah, yeah. He sort of, you know, speared down onto the trampine to get through the, the skinny grate to escape the abundance of books in his cell. And Wendell. 
and Wendell. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you feel like there's someone in your life and or world that needs to be encouraged and, and would be encouraged by this, please share it with them. Please rate this podcast. Um, put it on napkins and distribute it to the like local neighborhood cats. Absolutely. Rate, rescribe, review. Rescribe, yes. That's if you've subscribed and then you recanted and then you've resubscribed, a.k.a. rescribed. If you will. If you shall. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Ben. This is David. This is the Provoke and Inspire podcast. We will talk to you next time. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com. <laughs>